0: And welcome to We the Young People, a podcast produced by the Young Elected Officials Network. We are your hosts, Alana Bird, YEO's Policy Coordinator. And I'm Michelle Landry, YEO's Membership Associate. In 2020, we're celebrating YEO's 15th birthday. Each month, we bring on YEO members who are working at the forefront of policy and change, highlighting a new topic and a new member each episode. If you'd like to be featured, please reach out. My email is a, b as in boy, YRD as in dog at PFA, like people for the American Way, .org, abird at PFA.org. And that goes for any policy support or assistance that you may need. That's what we're here for. Additionally, you can find our podcast on Spotify or iTunes, as well as through our website, yeonetwork.org, and embedded in our monthly policy bulletin, which will be emailed out shortly after each podcast is published. Now, let's get to our topic for the month Women's History Month. This month, we interviewed DeSoto, Texas, Councilwoman Candace Quarles. Councilwoman Quarles sponsored and championed policy to mark DeSoto, which is a suburb of Dallas, as the first city in North Texas to offer paid parental leave for all city employees and as the fourth city in the entire state of Texas to do so. Councilwoman Quarles is also the organizing director for the Texas Working Families Party. Additionally, Candace has a politically focused video series called Candid with Candace where she interviews elected officials and community leaders and discusses topics to educate and engage the next generation of voters. A St. Louis native, Candace moved to Texas and began registering voters in Southern Dallas with the Urban League of Greater Dallas Young Professionals through an initiative called the Opportunity Compact in 2007. She eventually served as chair, vice president, and then president of the chapter from 2012 to 2014. In her downtime, Candace enjoys reading, volunteering, and traveling with her husband and spending time with her toddler. Councilwoman Quarles, thank you for joining us. We'd love to start out by asking you, why did you introduce this bill? Tell our listeners the impetus for writing this legislation.
1: Yeah, so um, introduce paid uh, parental leave. So paid family leave is more expansive. Paid parental leave is for the birth, adoption, uh, or foster of a new New baby. Um, the reason is I, one is one of those things that you just couldn't believe <laughs> that they didn't already have. Um, once I got on the council, so um, I have two colleagues in my council are 79, 72. So here I am on the council talking about things that new moms need, and a lot of them are. You know, my grandparents' age. So it was one of those things where I knew that I had to be the person to uh, implement and to bring this up because this was the life stage that I was in. And it's one of those things where I enjoyed um, uh, paid parental leave for um, my employer, with my employer. And I knew that um, that's something that we could implement citywide. I mean, for our city employees, and it really wouldn't have been uh, a huge financial cost. So the important piece of why um, moms particularly need paid time out is for peace of mind. So what happens now and what most uh, women are going through, one in four women are returning back to work within 10 days of birthing the child. Okay. She's not returning back to work because she loves work so much <laughs> and she just wants to get back. She's going back because she can't afford to miss a paycheck. But um, when women are returning back to work earlier or sooner, especially the six weeks that the doctors recommend. Um, that's where you're seeing the postpartum that's where you're mm-hmm. seeing mom's not truly healed having a baby is equivalent to uh, like a, a, a really big medical implication mm-hmm. right so um, going back to work within two, 10 days um, what that does to the psyche of mm-hmm. mom and then also for baby so paid parental leave is for a bonding with the baby mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. so that's why they recommended six weeks minimum time off so um, when you have Um, particularly uh, low-wage workers going back to work early, Um, it's financial peace of mind that I'm still going to receive a paycheck even though I'm home with the baby. And um, the reason why vacation time does not work (laughs) is sick time because, one, she's probably already exhausted her Mm -hmm. sick time. So as a woman that has had a baby, pregnancy, the only time I was ever truly sick is during my pregnancy. (laughs) Most of my sick time I used during my pregnancy. Especially during the first trimester. So, if you're assuming that's for after, you probably use it on the front end. And then, secondly, you don't use vacation time because having a baby is not a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is a very stressful time. And sometimes, and this is why dads need time off too. Sometimes baby goes home from the hospital, mom doesn't. Mm -hmm. So dad's at home with new baby, Mm -hmm. or vice versa, where mom goes home, baby stays at the hospital, dad needs time off too because mom needs time to heal. Mm -hmm. So, this is why having just a little bit six, three weeks is just minimum. It's the bare minimum what you can do. Um, Six weeks is what the doctor recommends most employers are offered 12 weeks yeah. <laughs> uh, actually a daycare doesn't even take a newborn in texas before six weeks wow. so most of the time what are you doing with that time if she's an hourly worker she doesn't have sick vacation time she's staying with grandma many grandma still works so this is why paid time off on top of not using your sick time or vacation time is important right
0: and what does the bill specifically do give us the details
1: yeah, so the um the policy is um, three weeks of paid time off without the use of sick time or vacation for uh, moms and dads for the birth, adoption, or foster of a new baby. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's been um, one of those things where uh, most of our employees are. Not in that stage, so it's not something that everyone will be able to enjoy that benefit. But now going forward, um, anyone that's in that phase of their life, they would be able to enjoy three weeks of paid time off.
0: So your bill passed in April of last year, correct? Mm-hmm. And where is Desoto in implementing the law?
1: Um, so I thought you were asking me where Desoto is, but uh, so it, <laughs> it, it was both passed uh, in April of 2019 and then we made it effective for October 1 which is our fiscal year of 2019 um, right now we have a mom that is actually out on pater- um, parental leave and then um, we have another employee that will be enjoying that benefit in just maybe six weeks so it is fully implemented and it is uh, a part of the employee uh, handbook and one of the benefits of you know they are able to recruit using that benefit
0: that's great. And what strategies did you use to pass and successfully implement the legislation?
1: Uh, so, yeah, so I first introduced this, and that's probably one of the first things I introduced when I got on city council in 2016. So it took about two years to get to fruition. Um, you you just have, uh, so I enjoy a council of majority women. Um, that was not the case when um, I first joined the council. Then also um, we had another Younger employee, I mean, younger council member come on board. So I think those dynamics help to get the policy passed. Um, but definitely lots of pushback. It's just a new thing. So we're the, only the um, fourth city in the entire state of Texas to offer We're the second city um, in North Texas. We're the first in North Texas to offer it. The fourth city in the entire state. So, only um, Austin, San Antonio, and then Lake Jackson. So, for a city our size, which is 50,000 to implement it, it's kind of a big deal. So, um, it where we had the day of the the actual vote. Uh, so, this is my organizing background coming in. Um, I knocked on doors that day of uh, voters that were likely to support. Um, and people usually don't come to our council meetings. Right. Like, no one really comes. <laughs> that day, we had a packed house, wow. and um, I had them come and speak for three minutes. And a lot of people have never spoken before. I remember this one lady and she's like, Candace, I can't find a babysitter. I, I don't know if I can come. I was like, if you don't bring that baby to right. the city council <laughs> and send them right on the podium. So if you look at the article, they have pictures of her holding the baby. Wow. One of my good friends is running for Congress. She uh, was pregnant at the time. She brought her newborn. So it was a really, I mean, it was organized in the way. So I got to show show my colleagues that, hey, this is important. People support this. The residents support their tax dollars being yeah. spent in that way. So yeah. it was definitely a, a fight worth having. And um, we have other cities that call me all the time and say, hey, can you send me that policy or that ordinance? Other cities are looking at the city of Dallas is talking about doing it. Uh, for more, much longer than three weeks, so definitely it was worth the fight. The two years that I spent pushing and trying to get this passed,
0: absolutely, and that's the whole point of these podcasts and you know your membership in YO is at least from a policy perspective is to spread this kind of awareness and show these kind of policies and how others. No, be the
1: best. network of um, YO was definitely helpful in this, um, and so the policy had been. I mean, it's passed statewide in Connecticut. Um, a couple of this place have already put this in place. So having that network of places mm-hmm. where in Spokane, there's a council member, and she called and said, hey, Candace, here's an ordinance we already have in place. Yeah. Here's a staff member that can assist, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, being a part of groups like this yeah. um, helps to get things, especially when you're, you know, constantly getting shut down or it's not on the agenda and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Okay. How do you feel the law could have been better? Do you hope to strengthen it in the future?
1: Oh yes, yeah. so I definitely told my colleagues that this was a. We're gonna see how that shapes up, and I think you know um, how it could have been better. I definitely wanted more time for moms, while well, I think it's important for dad to have time too. I really wanted six weeks for both, or more times for moms. But the 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 compromise that I made was three weeks for both, sure, um, and just to start it out. I remember a lot of the men didn't understand why we needed it. The two colleagues I had on council, they were very supportive. and A lot of them were shocked that we didn't have it. So my male colleagues were very supportive. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the women colleagues on my council felt that they had babies and they didn't have time off. And why should we have this new benefit for the women? So so I wish that we had more time. Um, I wish that um, we have true paid family leave. so that's for um taking care of an elderly parent um if if something happens to your spouse and things like that that you still get paid time off so paid parental leave is a policy inside of paid family leave Mm -hmm. so we hope to um one make it longer Mm -hmm. for parents and then it
0: eventually goes to a paid family leave policy that's great so tell us how you feel about being a woman legislator
1: Um, so I think it's, uh, you know, has unique challenges, but also I feel like I'm in this space, um, at the age that I'm running as a woman, as a black woman for a reason. So I should shy away from the things that are my personal lived experiences that show up in policy. So I spent 12 years in human resources before this. It's a reason I started with paid family leave, because I understand firsthand seeing a woman run out of vacation time, calling HR and say, Hey, I don't have any more time. I'm coming back to work. Even though I'm not emotionally ready or, uh, you know, physiologically ready to come back to work, I've seen that firsthand. So as a woman legislator, I shouldn't. Uh, what they tell you in being in politics is don't show up with all the, the mommy politics. Don't show up with all the women. Don't come in with pay family basically talking about, you know, bathrooms and daycares and things like that. But that's my lived experience. And who else is going to bring it up? Mm-hmm. It's a re- when I ran for office, I had an 18-month-old. So I was pushing around the stroller. That is a part of the life and the phase that I'm in right now. So why shouldn't I talk about universal pre-K? Who else is going to talk about it? Do I expect my colleagues, 78-year-old men, to talk about why universal pre-K is important? It's great if they do. They usually (laughs) don't. (laughs) They usually talk about things and and, and, and what's in their life uh, phase. So it's one of those things where I'm embracing that this is why I'm here. For that reason, I will lead with women policies. I will lead with policies that uh, directly impact African-Americans in my community um, and be OK with that. Mm. And then making everyone else get on board with that, too, because they will always make you feel uncomfortable about, you know, why does every bathroom in the city have to have a changing station? And they are like, well, that's not even a big issue. It's not a big issue to you <laughs> because that's not your lived experience, but it's-
2: so, whenever your paid parental leave uh, was passed, it's notable that uh, Congressman Beto O'Rourke, uh, when he was running for president, highlighted this on a national level. So you were highlighted on a national level, and I was wondering what that meant for you and being in uh, a national spotlight.
1: <laughs> so, um, so I always appreciate uh, Congressman Work for that shout out, that mention. Um, because what that does, it makes family leave important. And you don't have a lot of men talking about family leave. And he had the biggest microphone at the time. And I got to know him when he was in his Senate run in Texas. And I got involved and wanted to make sure that, you know, he got elected. Unfortunately, he didn't. But one of the most uh, Democratic votes in the history in the last 20 years for any Texan. Um but what it does is every time someone says, pay family leave, pay parental leave, that makes it important. That makes it one of the issues that we need to talk about. So him basically gave me a bigger microphone to say, this thing is important. And um, it passed on April 2nd. And then he was at like um, like the next generation uh, National Action Network the next morning. And then he talked about it just passed last night. But I was texting him during the council meeting and I was like, it just passed, 7-0. And he was like, great. And then even before the council meeting was crazy, he tweeted out like, hey, let's show up in DeSoto and support Candace while she gets paid parole leave pass. And that was a big, huge boost. And it just helps at any time, anyone. Now, all of the, the candidates are talking about paid family mm-hmm. leave. And it's a good time to highlight, like, hey, guess what? This is not the norm. (laughs) What's going on in DeSoto? And it should be. And it should be a, a nationwide paid family policy.
0: Now we'd like to turn over the podcast to our membership associate, Michelle, for her segment of the podcast, focusing on membership updates, advice, et cetera. Michelle?
2: Hi, this is Michelle with your membership corner for the month. And this week, we're diving into social media, how to deal with your constituents, how to deal with backlash. Social media can be a great tool to interact with constituents, but also it may be a tool for a little bit of uh, controversy. So we're going to talk a little bit about how uh, our membership deals with social media. So Councilwoman Quarles, uh, I had a question on how you interacted with your constituents on social media and uh, secondly, how you respond to uh, backlash on social media.
1: Yes, I use social media often to come, um, communicate with my constituents. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We also have a Facebook group if they want to join. Um, I, constant updates, even if it's not about my particular race. Um, I always talk about, hey, it's a primary date coming up, election day. Here's a polling location in DeSoto. Here are the five polling locations in DeSoto. So just being informative to them and providing useful information. And then if we have a water main break or... See halls are gonna close early for something. Communicating that and using uh, Facebook and Twitter, and then on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn too. It's it's <laughs> most of the time I see the 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 conversation back and forth on Facebook because that's where most of my constituents are. Um, but I, I think social media is just another tool. It's like a newsletter. Yeah. And you would naturally send a newsletter to your, your constituents. This one's just free. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you kind of get a, a post, and idea of what's going on with them and what they're posting about as well. And then um, backlash on social media. I would say, um, you know, you're still an elected official. So in times where I normally just would clap back on my own, <laughs> uh, keeping it positive, you know, go with the facts. A lot of times there are rumors or maybe conjecture about something, and you just correct them and say, actually, no, the reason we decided this way, or provide the link to the meeting, so sometimes they're talking about a vote or something, I'll provide the link to the actual video, so Mm -hmm. you can see for themselves, this is how people voted, this is the discussion, Um, but just keep it positive. Um, It is, it's a tool for uh, loud people (laughs) (laughs) if they want to make a point, but the action actually happens offline, Mm -hmm. and rarely do I see a constituent come and talk to me and say some of the same things that that were negative to say that they would say online.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for that insight. No, thank you guys
1: for having me. I appreciate any opportunity. Thank you. Um, Is it PFA or YF?
2: Both. (laughs) Thank you both (laughs) for having me. And here are some bits of advice our members around the country have sent in regards to social media. Everton Blair, a school board member from Gwinnett County, said... His advice is to speak clearly from a place of values and logic, to ignore personal attacks, and to understand the root cause and interest behind someone's policy criticism. Park Cannon said, to have some faithful online supporters who can engage in a polite way to defend your work. Don't engage. Align your filters so that certain words that appear in posts will never make their way to you. Example, Murderer, liar, overpaid, and stay on message. Don't give in and make sure that someone else reads your responses. Councilman Skippy Messero from Aspen, Colorado, stated that every elected official is different, that social media should be a window into who you are based on values, idea, and leadership. For him, he sees the relationship between the public and government, and public and electeds as quite broken. The expectation on electeds is perfection, and many uh, electeds respond with talking points and poll-tested things, which leads to a lack of trust. He uh, exercises radical honesty uh, day-to-day effort uh, for an extreme transparency, whether that be reading a 1,000-page packet on a Sunday night or having breakfast with friends. He really wants to humanize the role of being an elected office, bring people into the work, rebuild trust through real shared connections. Social media is a great platform to put out and test big bold policies and share things that others wouldn't. He also likes to promote others that reflect leadership, maybe like our YAOs. Uh, he's very Instagram and Instagram story heavy. So Skippy's answer to dealing with backlash is two parts. One is dealing with backlash from fellow elected city staff, colleagues, and then one is from uh, people online So, and your constituents. So the first part is really just, you know, you have to continue to find that balance between what you post on social media, but to... Make sure that your intentions around platforms are clear and proactively share those with your fellow electeds. Um, ground your message in your intention. With constituents, when you have backlash, you say to stop and take time, question where this is coming from. Uh, is this who I stand for? It's a good opportunity to ground where you are, what you're trying to achieve. Uh, it's affirming and reach. Of your message it's a learning experience on how to choose to put things out there and how to make constructive comments he said to be grounded um look at where you can learn social media is a tool of amplification for electeds who are interested in breaking the molds we would all be smart to collaborate in that to share content to give each other a platform and to help get our message out in policies Speaking of social media, if you are not already, make sure to follow YEO Network's social media accounts. Those are going to be uh, YEO Network on Twitter, on Instagram, like us on Facebook. I don't know if you're an older millennial, you like us on Facebook. <laughs> if you're a younger one, you won't. Um, but definitely check those out. Uh, we follow all as many as we can of our members on our social media accounts. If we aren't following you, let us know and we will. If you'd like to look for young electeds to follow, look at who we're following on Twitter and Instagram because you'll be able to find that connection, that community, and uh, that network. Thanks, Michelle. Next month, our topic will be based on
0: the coronavirus pandemic. Please stay tuned for our podcast in Bolton on related policy, which will drop around the last week of the month. Finally, please send us links to your top 5 to 10 bills that you're most proud of for our forthcoming policy exchange database. If you haven't received an email from me about this, please let me know and I will send along more information. Well, YEOs, that's it for this month of We the Young People. We hope you enjoyed and were able to gain some insight and inspiration from it. Next month, we'll focus on policy related to the coronavirus, so please tune in for that. If you have ideas for topics, policies you'd like to share, need policy-related assistance, or just want to reach out, please don't hesitate to email me at abird at pfo.org. Talk to you next month. Thanks for listening.